0: Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin. It's great to be with you. Be with you. And Friday night, Friday night, I hope you're getting into the weekend uh, where I am out in Virginia of the swamp, not in the swamp. No, in the swamp, not of the swamp. Got it wrong. It is swampy today. It's gosh. It, today it was, I don't know, almost 90 degrees and, and humid. It's just swamp-like. It's crazy. So I hope uh, uh, you are having a great weekend and we will have a great weekend. It's good to be with you. It's Ed Martin. Don't forget, go to uh, the ProAmericaReport.com, by the way, Pro- ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the daily email. ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up on the email; it'll pop up right there. You'll see lots of other resources. So please sign up there. And uh, great to be with you. We got a great show today. We got a three-pack. I don't do this to uh, Noah, our technical director, too often because it makes things a little hectic. We've got, but we have three guests. We're going to talk with Jordan Henry, who's got a Heartland Hero. He's an old friend of ours. Been on the show for years and years and years. And he, we used to do a weekly segment called Heartland Heroes, and it's now been periodic. And we're going to talk about some, uh, excuse me, some graduates who are graduating from high school in this sort of, you know, Wuhan virus time, how crazy it is. And uh, talk about one of those families that's been heroic in their efforts and what's going on in schools and education just to celebrate them a little bit. Then we'll talk with John Schlafly. He's got a got a, excuse me, he's got a new column on uh, on the problem of uh of well a lot of the problems that we're facing us but in particular we're going to ask him about uh, early voting early voting and uh, we'll also get pick his brain on social media um, because they are overlapping uh, John and, and his brother Andy wrote their column on the early voting problem. And as they were writing it and publishing it on townhall.com, our sister website, uh, they, the president, that was the day the president started tweeting about early voting. And then Twitter uh, decided it was time to fact check the president. Here we are, you know, a couple of days later, as chaotic as can be. So we'll look forward to that and, um, and talking to John Slavic, and then a special guest, Molly McCann, Molly McCann, who's an old friend of mine for years. Um, she is a, an attorney on general Flynn's defense team. She works with the Sydney Powell law firm, But she wrote a piece on the uh, imposition of masks and other uh, uh, executive orders by these uh, governors and others. Very clever, very well-written piece at TheFederalist.com. And she'll be with us in the last segment. So we'll get to all that. And in a moment, I will get to what you need to know because I have prepared this and I've been prepped for it. But I got to stop and we've got to say just a couple of moments about what about the president today in his uh, press conference and talking about the, um, the reality of the, um, of China and the threat of China. I mean, just a, a, a stunning, uh, discussion there. Now we know, and we talked about it two or three days ago, that the, um, the reality that China is, is just deciding to take back Hong Kong. I mean, they're deciding that they're not going to let Hong Kong be free, not going to let it be a free marketplace. You know, we we talked about this two or three days ago that Hong Kong became free in 1997, free from the British imperialist domination and given their independence with a relationship to China, but not supposed to be Chinese dominance. Well, China decided they had enough of that. You know, we're 23 years later and they decided, you know, we're not going to bother. And as I predicted, six months ago, China, when they first tried to take Hong Kong, the Hong Kong people started protesting. And China realized it was getting too um, ugly in the media. You know, Senator Josh Hawley of uh, Missouri, the U.S. senator, flew over there. And others are covering it. The media is covering it. And so they said, "Ah, this is not getting good. We'll stop and wait. See, the Chinese communist regime, they don't give up. They don't say, oh, you guys beat us. That was a better argument. An independent Hong Kong would be good. No way. No way. They just backed off and waited, and waited, and here they are. And they're passing laws in their kangaroo court, Chinese communist regime, uh, uh, not court, uh, kangaroo congress, in the Chinese communist congress. It's 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 whatever the communist regime wants. They're passing laws that will take away Hong Kong's independence. They're also advancing down on the border with India and causing a crisis with India, just when India, which has over a billion people itself, Is dealing with their own uh, uh, Wuhan virus and China virus problems, health problems. So the Chinese uh, communists are playing for keeps. They know that they're going to keep. They know that what their plan is to keep moving, keep moving ahead. Finally, you're seeing, and if you've been listening to this program, you know we've been talking about it for uh, for months now, just about two months. Finally, the the experts, so-called the commentators, are realizing it is a cold war. It's the second cold war. It's, it's exactly the second Cold War. The first Cold War was between the communists who had gotten control of Russia, the Soviet communists, and us, and the West, really, and the rest of the world, really. And the extension, the reason it's the second Cold War is, is because it's the same enemy. This time, the world communists have, a, have control of China. And they have, they have, that's, it's a, it's a system, ideological system of hate and degradation that we're against. So, you know, we've we, we got to be ready for it. we got to get ready. All right. But that's not what you need to know. Today, I was so excited because I actually, I, I did not go into the office today. I stayed home because my daughter's finishing her uh, second year of high school today. She has exams that are turned in today. And later on, I'm going to try to go driving with her. Uh, she's due for to get her license. So I'm going to go practice and, and let her experience driving. So I decided to stay home. It's Friday and, and all. And I've been thinking all day about this. Here's what you need to know. Elections have consequence. And here's one consequence. Yesterday, the Trump administration's education department handed down a ruling that said, your transgender boy can't go over and compete in my daughter in track and field. And if he does, then your state is going to lose money. You're going to lose access. You're going to lose and we're not going to allow it. And now it'll be challenged in court. But immediately the left jumped up and down. And they said, oh, my gosh, how can this be? You hate transgenders. No, no, actually, the law that's protecting my daughter from your son coming over and running in track and field or volleyball or anything else is Title IX. We talked last week about Title IX. Title IX has been used, by the way, to gut men's sports in college, and I've said it needs to be fixed so that it doesn't gut men's sports, so that there's an exception for college athletics, so that the boys' team, they can have a wrestling team, even as they own, as they have a girls' swim team. Or actually, the better way to say it is there can be a boys' swim team, a girls' swim team, but then they can have a boys' wrestling team. There's no boys' wrestling team, I mean girls' wrestling team, so you can't force them to have the uh, the same number of people in the in the sports it doesn't work anyway the the Trump administration Betsy DeVos stood up for us for we the people against the people the transgender movement these these absolute leftists who are trying to gut girls sports it's a huge victory it's a stunning wonderful thing and it's because elections have consequences and it should be clear that the other side, not forget about their party designation, it is the Democrats, but their positions, they are beholden to the people that believe that your son can run against my daughter in track and field because he says he's transgender. It's outrageous. It's what you need to know. It's a great victory. There's a lot at stake. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll talk with Jordan Henry about some heroes and then John Schlafly about voting and Molly McCandley later. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Be back in a moment.
0: Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The
1: Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. It's time to talk to John Schlafly, one half of the Schlafly Report. He and his brother Andy Schlafly write the weekly column available over at townhall.com as well as all of the uh, um, Schlafly reports, including the ones that were written written by the late Phyllis Schlafly and are uh, available at phyllisschlafly.com. So you can go there, the archived ones too. This week's column by John and Andy Schlafly is called The Folly of Vote by Mail for All. Welcome back, John. How are you?
2: I'm great, Ed. How are you?
1: I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. So you wrote this column. This was about as phyllis as it could be, like your mother. She used to write a column and try to be ahead of the story. You wrote a column, and then the uh, Twitter responded to your column, or maybe not responded, but in the same time, fact-checked fact President Trump's uh, tweet about it. First of all, John, explain to our listeners, uh, mail-in voting is not absentee balloting, and and what they're trying to expand to is what you call in the headline of this mail in, excuse me, vote by mail for all. But walk us through what this is, this whole, these scenarios.
2: Well, Ed, there's a huge difference between, uh, uni, you know, universal voting by mail versus absentee ballots, because, and however, every state has absentee ballots, but the voter has to request an absentee ballot, and that's an important protection because the voter, uh, you know, has to, you know, in- take the initiative and request from the place where he actually lives. And uh, now some states require good cause to be shown. Uh, there's a lot of talk about relaxing that to let people request An absentee ballot for any reason or no reason. Now, that's a debatable point. But in any case, the fact that the voter has to request it is a protection. Now, in Michigan, what the governor did was to send out applications for an absentee ballot. To every registered voter. Now, that's a risk, too, because anything that goes out to everyone on the voter registration list is going to result in thousands, tens of thousands, or maybe even millions of letters going to address to former voters, people who don't live there anymore. And that's where the real, you know, mischief can get in. But even worse than that, Ed, is what California Governor said he was going to do, which is to mail the actual ballot to every registered voter. Now, we know that there are literally millions of people on the registration list in California who are not eligible to vote, either because they're dead, they've moved to to somewhere else, or they never should have been on because they were only put on through motor voter when they applied for a driver's license and driver's licenses are now issued to illegal aliens. So many thousands of illegal aliens automatically got registered to vote to that that process. And now, uh, so there is a lawsuit that was filed on Monday uh, by the great Harmeet Dillon, uh, who uh, I'm sure your California listeners know who Harmy Dillon is, a wonderful person. Sure. Uh, yep. Lawyer, who also represents the uh, the the engineer that Google fired. Um, and uh, she's fired a, law, filed a lawsuit against Governor Newsom for this totally illegal thing that which he said he was going to do, which is an executive order to mail out the actual ballot to everybody on the voter registration list in California. Now, um, of course, in the other 49 states many people have sort of written off california but but we can't do that because there's an awful lot of good people who still live in california and their vote needs to be protected not only for president but for congress and um other offices in the in the in the many you know there are millions and millions of good conservatives and trump supporters in california in fact You know, there are more more people voted for Donald Trump in California than than voted than than in probably 30 other states because there's so many people there. So uh, even people, you know, who have escaped from California still should worry (laughs) about what is being done there.
1: Right. Uh, we're, we're talking with John Schlafly again, the column, his column is available at com. It's called the folly of vote by mail for all. Um, John, when you saw the, um, the, uh, fact check of the president or read about the fact check that they tweeted, that they they put a fact check on his tweet, which alleged, uh, mail in, uh, question of the problem of mail-in fraud. I mean, John, I just feel like we need to say it as often as we can to, to be, uh, to help people hear it. Uh, You know? There is fraud, right, in elections. You have to be aware of what could increase fraud, right? Mailing millions of ballots to people and saying, here's your ballot to vote, and it goes to someone's home or someone intercepts it or whatever. I mean, there is a reality of fraud. No one no one should deny that, should they?
2: That's right. And there's many, many hundreds of documented examples of voter fraud through absentee ballots. But voting by mail for all is, is is much worse than that, for the reasons we have discussed. And the potential is certainly there. It's undeniable. And what Twitter did was such an outrage. And, of course, you know, as soon as they did it, then Twitter had to be fact-checked because right. uh, their own fact-check <laughs> incorrectly described Nebraska as a state that does voting by mail for all. And it is not, that's not true. They only have absentee ballots in Nebraska. So... Um, and but but, you know, I, I think somebody should investigate Twitter for making an illegal corporate contribution to a campaign. Yeah. You know, the, the uh, needs look in, needs to look into that.
1: The uh, John is um, what do you now let's talk about serious a little serious a little more seriously now about Twitter, Facebook and Amazon and all they all lean left. I mean the main people that control three of the most important entities you know are well known left leaning Zuckerberg Bezos and Jack Dorsey only because Eric Schmidt has gone from Google YouTube and I can't think of who the name of the person in charge is otherwise that that one would also be left leaning you know apple uh the apple guy is uh what's his name <laughs> John Apple what did Trump call him? he he also leans left but legitimately they lean left and legitimately they are known that way and 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 now do they have the ability to impact the election in November and influence people, I have to say yes. So the question, I mean, I think that's obvious. So the question is now, will they resist the temptation to influence election? What do you think?
2: Uh, Well, competition is what is needed, and that's exactly what we do not have in the tech industry. If these companies and if the industry, if we had, you might say, a thriving two-party system within each of these companies and within Silicon Valley as a whole, then there would be a check on what they might do, because somebody could stand up and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, what you're saying there is not true, but instead they have an echo chamber. And uh, in fact, to, to borrow the title of, you know, the Google engineer's famous manifesto that got him fired. You know that was an entirely reasonable and you know uh, worthwhile thing that he wrote, but it was unacceptable to the prevailing uh, uh, you know doctrine doctrine at uh, Google, and that's in fact that incident. I'm sure your listeners remember that. That is such a good example of how why the tech industry is cannot be trusted and has to be reined in. The fact that they that google of all companies could have taken something that was so carefully written and well documented and say no we cannot even we can't even allow an employee to post this thoughtful and well-researched paper which was his own work on an intercompany message board because that 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 would you know that because other employees might take offense at his thoughts. I mean, that tells you what we're dealing with. And uh, of course, that was a year and a half, almost two years ago. Uh, maybe some of your listeners have forgotten about that. But thanks to Harmy Dillon, I think uh, that case is winding its way through the courts. I hope it is, because I hope hope the guy gets a good recovery. But uh, but now we're coming on the election, and the uh, you know the the point is you've got the same people who fired that engineer who are determining mm-hmm. what is acceptable on Google on Facebook on YouTube on Instagram and 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 this is shaping how people are going to vote and it's frightening it really is frightening uh, and something has got to be done about it and soon
1: yeah i i think that's what people i i you know people that are you know that are savvy on this um say to me there's no way that they'll be able to resist it in the, in the chamber, the echo chamber they live in. You know, they're so they're so convinced that Trump has to be you know, defeated that they'll use the power that they have like they know they can. So. All right, John, I got to run. John Schlafly. His column, of course, is always available each week. It's the Schlafly Report. John and Andy Schlafly available and archived at Phyllis dot com. We'll talk again next week, John. Thank you. Thank you. Ed. All right. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed
0: Martin and the
1: Pro-America
0: Report. On The Answer San Diego.
1: Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We have a chance to visit with uh, my old friend, Jordan Henry, who's the research director at the Phyllis Schlafly Center. The last couple of months, he's really become the curator of realmrsamerica.com, which is a website I've talked a lot about, and it's getting a ton of attention. We got an email the other day from a... Um, a columnist at the Irish Times newspaper in Dublin who was drawn to realmrsamerica.com and was watching the videos. I got an email yesterday. I don't even know if I told Jordan about this. I got an email yesterday from someone who said, I stopped watching the FX uh, series streaming on Hulu called Mrs. America because it's so full of garbage. I just go to com and watch your videos. So that's kind of cool. Well, Jordan Henry wears all those hats, but we have he's also the uh, curator of the Heartland Heroes, our effort to lift up uh, and highlight heroes uh, in, with the heartland values. Sometimes they are on the coast. We admit that. Uh, but welcome back, Jordan. How are you?
3: Hey, it's great to be here with you, Ed. I'm doing great.
1: So listen, I wanted to highlight one of these. There's a lot of attention. Uh, can you imagine if you were a senior year in high school or college and this whole kind of crazy, you know, uh, Wuhan virus, the China virus kicks in and all of a sudden everything is, you know, you're, you're not having any of those sort of wrapping up your year whether it's your you know graduation ceremony some people played sports uh, proms whatever so our one of our friends is uh, Maeve Coulter and Maeve was as a high school senior and her family of course the Coulter family and I know you and I are talking they're extraordinary family so we're gonna give them the Heartland Hero treatment for what they do so first of all tell us about uh, Maeve and sort of how she's come to the end of her senior year.
3: Wow. Well, uh, Maeve has just been an incredible, uh, an incredible resource here at the Phyllis Schlafly Center in St. Louis, Missouri for several years now. Uh, she's been uh, interning with us, helping us out so faithfully on, on a bunch of different projects, coming to our events, uh, and really just being a, a, a fearless and passionate worker for the, the uh, goals that Phyllis Schlafly believes so strongly in.
1: Well, and she was at uh, Collegians, of course. We had a great Collegians. I guess it was last summer and a great part of that, even though we only have usually a few students that aren't in college that are sort of uh, living up to it. So it's great. You know, I have to tell a quick story about the Coulter family, the Petrie-Coulter family. Uh, you know, a lot of our uh, folks in the, in the, in the as you mentioned, the Eagle family knew uh, uh, the Jennifer Coulter and her, her work, and we'll talk about her in a minute. But the parents, uh, and Jane Petrie and her late husband, Harold, They were some of the first people that volunteered when I ran for Congress in 2009, 2010, and they were were fearless pro-lifers and conservatives, and then they were Tea Partiers, and just wonderful presence. And, of course, Harold uh, Petrie uh, had cancer and and passed away a little while ago. It was a great sadness for that family, but just a dynamic family. I should say Maeve's aunt, Teresa, Teresa Petrie, was the press secretary, wore that uh, hat in my campaign, and she was phenomenal. She was a former TV reporter and so she had all that sort of natural ease on camera and ability to write and uh, we came within a hair's breadth of winning that race but it's a great family well but tell us about um, Jennifer Coulter and Maeve and then fill us in on the uh, recent graduation ceremony you went to I think we we really they, they homeschooled the the Coulters homeschooled and had such success with their children so walk us through that too please.
3: Yeah, uh, well, Jennifer is another great volunteer here with uh, Phyllis Slaffley Eagles. And um, uh, like you mentioned, uh, they have been homeschooling their kids. In fact, they were doing it before everybody started doing it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so, uh, of course, the Coulters, they don't ever halfway do anything. So when it was time for graduation, uh, they went all out with their homeschool graduation from uh, – Oakley Academy is uh, the, the school name that they came up with for their homeschool. Uh, and so they just uh, did the, the whole deal with a, a graduation ceremony, and they invited family and friends to come. Uh, Maeve walked in wearing the cap and gown while Pomp and Circumstance played, wow. DJed by her brother. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, yeah, it was a whole big thing. It was really incredible.
1: Well, I have a copy. Of, we got a copy of the of, of Mave's uh, speech, and she wonderful the way she thanked her parents and uh, grandparents and just uh, her her family in general. And uh, it's a great example uh, for uh, a lot of folks to see such success. And Mave has been accepted to college, got scholarships. You know, one thing I was going to say: a lot of people are rethinking homeschooling and distance learning because of all the uh, all the Chinese virus and the, and all that's happened. And one thing that I was really interested in with, I learned from Maeve because I was never homeschooled and it was new to me was she played sports in the local sort of uh, affiliated leagues and was very successful. You know, she's a good athlete, but she had the competition and, and was able to sort of make that a part of her experience, which I think was pretty, uh, was, it's important lesson for people to learn that are saying, well, I want my kid to be socialized and have these experiences. Well, Maeve had all those uh, socialized. By the way, uh, Jordan, I was talking to another homeschooler today uh, and i mentioned that um her her son was home he's now in his 20s i said well maybe you want to go we're on the phone in the morning and make breakfast she said oh no my kids are homeschooled they all learned how to make breakfast for themselves when they were homeschooled so <laughs> all right well you you gave the commencement speech at the uh oakley school it's called mave school it's called the oakley school that's their street address too by the way so give us a uh, give us a summary of your uh of your great speech because I did hear great reviews of it. So what did you say that uh, every, there's been a thousand million commencement speeches. How'd you step up and do something different?
3: Uh, well, I did one thing that I thought was rather original. I led my speech by explaining how I thought that graduation speeches are a complete waste of time. Uh, oh, well, that's
1: pretty good. Good yeah, setup. Uh, so, keep the expectations low. I get what you're doing there.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, see, it's, it's kind of a cruel joke. We play on high school seniors. How they're so excited that they think that their academic career is over, and then we give them a big long speech about <laughs> how the importance of lifelong learning and the torture never really ends. So right, right, right. So, right. so yeah, I thought
1: that was worth. Pointing. What was what? Well, then after that point, what did you give? give me? Give me one. What one tip? You know, always wear your tie straight, or you know, wash your hands after whatever. When, what? Did, any real tips you could? Wisdom that you could impart.
3: The message I tried to convey to her and that I would convey to anyone who's uh, graduating at this time is that once, when you go, when you're a teenager, you're, you're told about peer pressure and how you have to be careful who you let influence you. And that's right. still an important thing when you're an adult, but yep. when you're an adult, you have to move kind of to the next level of that I would say. And rather than just focusing on who you let influence you you have to realize that you are an influence on all the people around you, whether they, whether they even realize it or not. And so when you make decisions, they affect everyone around you.
1: Huh. Well, that's, that is good. Well, I, well, I can see why that was a hit, especially because you're just a kid yourself and so that, but have that kind of wisdom. That's good. Well, all right, let me see that big uh, canvas print of Phyllis Schlafly. I know our listeners can't see it, but we're on uh, Zoom here. Yeah, look at that. Uh, there's a wonderful picture of Phyllis Schlafly with a stop ERA button or eagle pin, American flag behind it, that we presented to Maeve uh, on behalf of all of us that believe so much in uh, what she and others are doing. So. Good Heartland Heroes, uh, Jordan. Thanks for everything you're doing. And uh, we'll uh, we'll keep checking in on your baby, realmrsamerica.com, and see uh, what else is up there in these weeks.
3: All right. Thank you, Ed. Good to be in right. with you.
1: All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back.
0: Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report.
1: On The Answer San Diego.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, slander America, and redefine the family. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
1: Imagine you had to sleep in the back room of your workplace because people in your apartment had COVID-19. As you sleep peacefully in this unfamiliar place, you're startled awake at 4.30 a.m. by a deafening noise. It sounds like a shotgun. You peek out of the room to see three masked men ransacking your store. Then you look down at the registered pistol resting beside you. What would you do? This isn't some pointless hypothetical. This was a very real situation that Hamza Abusharia of Arlington, Virginia, found himself in. Hamza courageously chose to fire three shots to scare off the intruders. One of the intruders was wounded by the shots, but they all fled. You probably aren't surprised to hear that someone was hauled off to jail after this encounter, but you might be surprised to hear who. That's right, Hamza, the innocent store clerk who fired three warning shots to scare off the intruders, was sent to jail without bail. He faces as much as 20 years in prison for defending himself. Police told him that he should have tried to sneak out the back rather than fire upon the intruders. The only problem with this advice was that the criminal stuff was sitting outside the back door. If Hamza went that way, he probably would have ended up shooting at them anyway. This didn't matter in the eyes of the law. Democrats act like self-defense laws are an excuse for white people to hunt down and kill innocent minorities. But the facts of this case don't jive with that narrative. Who's more likely to need a gun for self-defense, a rich white guy or a poor minority store clerk sleeping in the back room of a shop in a bad neighborhood? Hamza Abu Sharia can answer that question for you. Not giving him the means to defend himself is discrimination at its worst. People who live in nicer neighborhoods, so-called low-crime areas, have a right to defend themselves too, but they're not as likely to have to exercise that right. After all is said and done, if we want to protect innocent poor people living in high crime areas, we shouldn't send them to jail for defending themselves.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, President of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's time to hear the truth, not the media lies, about gun rights. At PhyllisSchlafly.com, we've got strategies to protect American citizens, protect ourselves, and protect the Second Amendment. For the latest on the constitutionally protected right to bear arms, go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back, Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is, she's been on the show before, Molly McCann, and uh, she used to just be a writer and a lawyer and work with us at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles uh, Virginia Constitution Center, which she still does that, uh, but a few, I don't know, a year ago, last year, I guess, I'm not even sure when, recently, not too long ago, she became of counsel, she's an attorney too, with Sidney Powell and her uh, law firm, and then became one of, if you go look at the briefs for General Flynn's case, it's Sidney Powell and Molly McCann, signed all these briefs. And I can tell you, whenever that happens, the name on the top, Sidney Powell, and the one below, the one below doesn't get all the credit, shouldn't get all the credit, but does a lot of the work. So uh, Molly McCann's been working hard for General Flynn, but that's not even now what she's most famous for this week. She wrote a piece that ran in the Federalistcom on uh, how if you uh, use hand sanitizer, you're participating in Chinese uh, communist activities, and she got a ton of attention, and she's all over Fox News and everywhere else. So I'm just kidding. I'll explain in a minute. Welcome back, Molly. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Ed? <laughs> I'm doing fine. So listen, this piece you wrote for the com. I'm teasing, of course, because what the headline, though, was about the masks, and the piece was more sophisticated, obviously, about what's happening and what's uh, going on with sort of how uh, so many people in positions of power are asking us to change our behavior. Walk us through what your piece said and why, why you wrote it and what you're seeing.
4: Sure. Well, I, I was... Would... Well, the reason I wrote it is because I was looking around and I and I had this sense, I, I, the sense that we shouldn't have mandatory masking policies, but it was difficult to sort of put my finger on what the problem was. And ultimately, what I determined, and I I believe very strongly, is the case, is that the masks are not really effective for our safety. And experts have said that. Dr. Fauci made clear just two months ago he he had just derision for the idea that. Uh, that the mask could be an effective safety measure for a virus of this nature. But now now that the tide has changed and suddenly all of these experts are telling us we have to mask and various uh, Democrat governors are issuing these executive orders forcing people to mask. And what I determined was there are two purposes to the masking. The first is to perpetuate this fiction that we remain in an emergency sufficient to trigger the extra-constitutional um, power of executives. And so they can continue their rule by executive fiat, which is, is I think everyone, everyone should agree that it's just unconstitutional. It's time for governors to give the power back to the people. But then the second more insidious drive behind this mandatory masking is to shift the American mood. And as you, with your time in politics, you certainly are familiar with the idea of the American mood, the willingness of the American people to um, accept infringement upon their liberty. And you have to move the American mood to push through measures that would otherwise be unpopular. You you think you can Mm -hmm. you've heard strategists talk about the country's not ready for it or the country is ready for it. And so in short, I've gone on a while, but in short, I think what the masks are meant to do is shift our mood. If we are if we look around to our right and to our left and everyone's wearing a mask, It makes concrete this idea that we are in an emergency. The emergency isn't going away and, and life will never get back to normal. That's another, that's the mantra we're hearing again and again. Life will never go back to normal. But, and, but what they really want to do is push through COVID related regulations ultimately, uh, that will infringe upon our liberty under this whole guise of we're never going to get back to normal.
1: Yeah and you know it's uh we're talking with Molly McCann and uh and Molly remind everybody in a second your Twitter feed because you got a great Twitter feed too you're on there. Molly's an attorney with uh Sydney Powell's law firm and does a lot of great work there on that legal case for Gen- uh, General Flynn but this piece in the federalist.com is very sophisticated actually it's kind of important. I read it twice Molly. I, I usually read you know, I've got full you know, ADHD and attention deficit, so I read nothing fully anyway. I read yours twice because it's kind of sophisticated. It's making a, a couple of points uh, that I think are important. One, though, I think we should do, and of course I'm kidding, but we should vote on who has to wear a mask. And there should be people that have to wear masks. I mean, Le- Nancy Pelosi should wear a mask. That's one. You know, we should be able to vote on this. No, I'm, just, I'm just teasing. But, but, uh, Mo- Molly, what, how's the response been? I mean, I want to talk in a minute. You did a, you done a tour on, uh, on Fox, uh, uh on on fox news channel and i'll talk about that in a minute but the i'm sure you got the kind of pushback from some people not just on the left but on the center right and the center left that said hey wait a second uh i'm i'm uh, i got one of these today i'm 69 years old i have 17 comorbidities i'm wearing a mask because i'm worried i don't think it's the bubonic plague but i'm worried about it have you received a sort of range of pushback on this i know twitter explodes and calls you names that's not what i mean Mm -hmm. i mean uh, the reaction gen more generally
4: I think you know I I was surprised the 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 reaction actually has been almost overwhelmingly positive. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. had this same reaction that I did this this gut sense that this isn't right but they didn't really perhaps know exactly why it wasn't right uh, or or they couldn't quite vocalize why they were opposed to it. And I, and I think the real key is to go to go back to the point that all of the experts and doctors, even today, I was chatting with one just the other day. They all agree that the masks are not that effective. And in fact, they can be counterproductive because you're going to be touching your face, and you're, especially as summer comes, will be sweating. They aren't that effective. They give a they give a false sense of security. Um, but but I, I think a lot of people are smart enough to see how this can be. A political shift. I've certainly gotten I've certainly gotten pushback. I've certainly gotten pushback from people who have comorbidities or who have family members who right. have gotten the coronavirus. Uh, but but I, I think if you've got a clear head, you realize there are other explanations for that. The masks are not the answer.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. And I and I tell people all the time, you know, and as you know, uh, we're talking with Molly McCann, who, as I mentioned, is also uh, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles uh, Virginia Constitution Center heads that up. Uh, and and you know, of course, my wife is a physician, and so she sees the some of the challenges of this virus that are different than the flu. I mean, actually, mostly how it can how it can make people sicker. Not that it kills, but and but my even my wife would say and has said, you know, if you've got these morbidities and these comorbidities, and all then you have to be more careful. Anyway, like you have to, in a flu season, you have to be more careful. If you, you know, if you're, if you're, if you've got, uh, uh, you know, autoimmune issues and, and Molly, we have a mutual friend who's got some health issues. You, you know, that person, it's not the mask. It's don't go to crowds. I mean, don't, don't go out of your way. So that's a different thing. All right. Let me walk us through, Molly, that your, your star turn on Fox. And, uh, you did, I think Laura Ingram on, um, on uh what night is it today today's right on wednesday night and last night martha mccallum how were those yeah. what was that experience where did those how did those run the gamut
4: oh it was fabulous it was wonderful to be with both ladies they're both superstars obviously and um an incredible platform to get this message out and i think most of all it was just very gratifying to see the response uh the response to the post and to the point that it was that i was trying to make um make about about the mask so it was both experiences were were, were fabulous
1: well great well listen molly thank you for coming on oh hey what's your twitter feed again remind me the twitter your twitter handle
4: sure it's at moll mccann m-o-l-m-c-c-a-n-n
1: yeah, you should check that out. She's good. Well, you know, and Molly, of course, you grew up and knew uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly well, so that was that's in your corner that she knew you and liked you and respected you. But I have to say, I was texting with General Flynn today, and I said something about you, and he said, "Oh man, she's a superstar." I said, "Man, Molly McCann, she's got she's got uh, Ed Martin thinks she's great, and then so does General Flynn. I mean, it doesn't get any better." But anyway, congratulations oh, on your piece, good. and keep writing. Hey, keep writing, Molly, because this is like your second or third or fourth piece in the last two months, and it's a very very good uh, venue for you. So keep writing. So we see what you're uh, figuring out and thinking, and you put it down on paper, okay?
4: I will. Thank you for the encouragement.
1: All right. Thanks, Molly. Molly McCann. And we'll, uh, put her, put up her, her stuff on social media and you can see her on Twitter. And we will, uh, take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Uh, be back. And, uh, let me, hold on. Let me, we're going to wrap things up, actually. I've got to just, I was going to go and come back, but let me wrap things up. Say thank you to, uh, Noah, our technical director for, uh, running things so well, especially it's been, a, today's been a little bit hectic with some changes and things. Thank you to Joanna for booking the show. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. Don't forget to go to the answerSandiego.com. TheAnswerSanDiego.com to grab all the stuff that we're doing whether it's Andrea Kay's show my show our great supporters go in there and check it out and um, have a great weekend we'll be back Monday night it's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report we'll talk to you then